Welcome back to Slice and Jacks. I'm Tom Howard. She's Eliani on the board. S&P Futures down 49. Yeah, 49. Dow Futures down 111. Not so much there. NASDAQ, however, down 313 as Facebook is uh, getting a whack-whack here this morning. Uh, <clears throat> they're not... Uh, they don't like Facebook. These uh, some of these big companies are appear to be having all the ability to uh, please the market here, but some don't. I mean, and we've had some up ten percent. Now we got one down twenty percent. That's uh, not so good. But it's taking the Nasdaq down with it. Although we've been up for a few days, but still, it's uh, you know it's an interesting thing. Do we have Mr. Lou? He actually hasn't called in yet. <laughs> oh, he, well, he will. Um, yeah. yeah the, good uh, morning, Chief. Yeah. The good morning. How are you? Doing all right. We have managed to make it in. Made it out of my parking spot this morning. (laughs) Yeah, this is pretty brutal. I needed the four wheel drive to get out of the alley, which, uh, you know, I don't normally have to. Usually it's a. But this morning, since I didn't want to. I probably could have made it out with two, but I said, nah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll concede. We'll flip it into four and just pull right out. So. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to use that once in a while. After all, I I have it. So. Yeah, might as well. If you got it, you got it. Yeah. So the. uh, Where do I have. I'll find a Facebook here in a second because we have. uh, But no, it's. it's, The markets are. And I keep talking to clients. Um, we had a bunch of client calls yesterday, and people have all these stacks, and they just—they matter of fact, there was one person we talked to, and he was his whole portfolio was you know the, the five big stacks, and yeah. and so far it's it's been working out you know really well. And I said, is is there a number that you really don't want to be in these things? You know, at least on totally unhedged. Well, you know, they've been good to me so far. I know that. I mean, uh. You know, and it's not a, believe me, I am not the, nobody, anybody, other people will tell you they know where these stocks are going. I know that they don't, cause I don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's that simple. I mean, you really don't know, I mean, you get all kinds of stuff going on with the Fed and everything else, but, but the, uh, and, and you know, when you have things like, yesterday the market was up, I mean, bonds are way up yesterday. So how, how could bonds be way up if the Fed is not buying? And if the Fed is supposed to be blowing their balance sheet and they're supposed to be cutting back, why is the Fed buying? But they are. So either they're nervous, they're lying to us, and then all of a sudden you're seeing now whether or not, you know, whether or not they're really going to uh, do anything different with these, uh, you know, w- with their policy. I, I don't know that they are. So, I mean, which is pretty interesting because it makes a, a major difference to people that are trading. I mean, if they're just plain flat out lying to you, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what you do about that as, as a, as an investor because, they, they, they can reach the end of the road of what they can do. This morning, I don't know if you listen, were listening on the way in. Allstate just raised all their insurance rates twelve percent. They're not talking five. They're not talking six. They're not talking seven like these buffoons are telling you. They're talking twelve. And everywhere around here, people are raising raising prices. It's not five. It's not four. What's what's the point of raising the omelet from from ten dollars to ten twenty? You know, <laughs> it ain't happening. It's going to eleven bucks, right? Or eleven fifty, sure. wherever. It's not even. I mean, I think these guys need to get out of the car or the limousine. I mean, I just. I mean, when you talk about a 
if you were to take when I well, <laughs> let's not go far go far on this, Eliana, how far this was, but yeah. when I was in grad school, if you were if you were to told somebody in a class at the University of Chicago that the Fed increased the money supply by thirty eight percent in two mm-hmm. years, uh, where would the prices go? It wouldn't be oh man, we might be a little over two. It'd be like thirty. Well, right, because I mean, at that point, it's like, well, if we can get away with it, let's see how much we can get away with. I mean, as far as like well, inflating so much, prices, I mean, I, I mean, at that point, why not? <laughs> well, at some point, you can't. The thing you can't do, and I understand where they're coming from, is, and this is a, uh, if, if you go back to the uh, the Great Depression, which you can't, I can't. It was even before my time, you know. So go back to the Great Depression, and you were to say. What caused, you know, what was the major cause of the Great Depression? You would ask this to economists. They would tell you that the, uh, that it wasn't the, the market crash of 29. It was the, uh, maybe you should try giving Lou a buzz. And then, because we, not that we can't talk without him, but we, I want to find out all what's going on over in Russia. And I, I don't know anything about that. But, um, right. the, uh, I don't, I mean, when you, they would, they would say, say to you, it's not the, at least the monetarists. Would say it wasn't the stock market crash. It was the um, the fact that the Fed allowed the money supply to drop by a tremendous amount in the in the early thirties, like thirty one, thirty two. It wasn't even in twenty nine. It was later than that. Or over the next couple of years, they let the money supply drop for sure, the, the, a dramatic amount. Yeah. And uh, but so the idea has been since then, in every in every person's mind. That if something like that ever happened again, be it the 2008 fiasco, be it 2000, whatever it is, we would not let that happen. Yeah. And we would pour money back into the system. Now the problem with that is, is, I mean, I, and I, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that they're wrong necessarily, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is the people who lose it, if you just pour, quote, back into the system, sure. it doesn't get back to the people who lost it. Right. Well, what does Lou think about this? I don't know. Is Lou here? Yeah, we finally got him. Lou, how are you, bud? Hey, good morning. I'm sorry. No, we were. I was just saying. Uh, did you have to use four wheel drive to get out of the alley like I did this morning? <laughs> uh, no, but you know they don't they don't plow the streets here in Denver except for the main thoroughfares. So um, the uh, the front uh, the front of our street here is just a complete mess. We had 11 inches of snow, so that. Let's let's make it uh, let's make it for a uh, for a difficult uh, difficult ride. How uh, how cold is it there? It's twenty something. It's cold. Uh, we're I think we're I think we're seven or eight below zero this morning. So uh, there's some cold weather coming your way. Yeah, we're oh. twenty seven right now. So like the temperature isn't bad for us. You know, like anything above like fifteen, I'm usually pretty all right. <laughs> but well, the, uh, we had uh it was it was pretty bad here. Fortunately, we did miss. Uh, about like six inches we got. Uh, more the further south you go is is real bad. Oh yeah, my my uh, my boss Steve he lives in Mokina. He's like I literally cannot leave my house. So I'm like, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> but we were, we were threatened, Lou, with the rain first, freeze, snow on top of it. We we didn't get that. The sleet. We we did not get the oh, ice skating rink on top with the snow on top. So yeah. that I get that's that's the most da- that's the most dangerous thing I think. But uh, but my neighborhood, I mean, there's just no place to put it. You know, so we're probably at the limit. That we what we can have without a, without a problem because there's no nowhere to push it. Right. I mean, in the suburbs, yeah. suburbs, there's all kinds of room to shove it to the side. I mean, it's no big deal. But uh, well, we're um, we we never here in Denver. We never uh, we never look uh, a, a skew at uh, or a at uh, snow. 
any moisture is good moisture, and uh, we're we're taking it. We're um, we're dry, and uh, this is this is fire insurance, and uh, that that's that's how we that's how we look at it. Well, I was just mentioning to Eliana on the way in. She's probably listening to some rack station. I, of course, was listening to the news, <laughs> and uh, all states raising all their rates twelve percent this month. Um, I was just wow. I, was, I was going through a probably a boring story for everybody about the difference in in the uh, during the the Great Depression. I'll keep this very brief, Luke, because I want to hear more about Russia. the uh, The idea has been forever that if ever something like that happens again. You can't let the, mo- the money stock drop, and that's what caused the depression. The money supply dropped twenty four percent, and I can't remember one of those years thirty one, thirty two. And the idea was, if you just put more money back in the system, it would be okay. Um, the problem with that is, is if if Lou's grandma walked down to the bank to get her two thousand bucks that was in the bank, and the door hit her in the nose and said the bank's closed, and she never got it. You can put money back into the system, but the system doesn't get it back to your grandmother. And that's what, yeah. and that's, that's, and that, that's been the flaw. But I, but I, all the while I was there, I just believed what these guys said because I never saw it. And now this time we've done it twice. Well, we've done it probably more than twice, but we certainly did it in 2007. We did it in the last two years. We didn't want to let the COVID, you know, cause enough problems to where the money supply dropped and people just, the economy just shut down. So we, we poured money back into the system. All right. And we, and we actually sent people some checks, but the checks were, were, are nowhere near as much. In other words, we sent people, what was, what was the end of the day? Was it two grand? It was over 20 or 3,200. What did the checks amount to? If you got full, I don't even remember. Was it 1,200? There was a six and then there was another 14 or something. I mean, I got six at first, and then I got two fourteens after that. Right, so it's it's roughly twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, somewhere in there. Well, okay. That's, I think we just lost Lou to the snow. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he hung up on us. <laughs> I don't think he did that, but he could be lost. And they're having trouble out there. Yeah, but the uh, he'll call back. I so, think. but the idea is when you when you if you don't, I mean, right now your twelve hundred bucks just just got eaten up by the, the price of a used car, by the price of a new car. And, yeah, and it's it, it, we're not not even on the same planet because they put they out of all the money they poured into the system, and this is what I think a lot of people don't maybe don't want to know is if you took all the money for the PPP, as ridiculous as a lot of that was, right? And you look at the checks people got, you know, some of you know maybe it was deserved, not deserved, or whatever that all means. It's only twenty five percent of the money they poured out. The rest was to Corporations and other other kinds of people. So the, the the amount of money that poured into the place is absolutely dramatic, and and so yeah, it, it, it's it's swashing around, and 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 people, it's going to cause prices to go up dramatically, and and they have. Well, I mean, it was it wasn't like it was done in a way that was like as tactile. I think a lot of it was reactionary, and it well, was sure just, it, it was just really unintelligent. Like I because I did receive these checks, but did I need them? No, and there were a lot of families that could have used that money that I had. And it was, I mean, I ended up donating it, but, um, it's one of those things where I, I really wish that there was a more, you know, just the efficature of it just wasn't there. Well, the thing, the problem with, <laughs> here's, this is an interesting story. Sure. Um, by the way, I applaud you for donating it, but be careful when you do that. When I say that, I'm not talking about you personally. I'm saying if, if somebody, if, if your government decided to, Send everybody a hundred dollar check every day in your mailbox. Right. You can you can bitch and moan all you want about how it's bad policy. Sure. 
but do not tear down your mailbox. Right. Because you, you can't have everybody else relatively sneaking up and you not, because you know the price of everything you pay is going to go up. Sure. Because so, it all may, I think we have Lou back. Yeah, we do. Lou? I do. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm, we're having technical issues here, and I'm, it, or it means we just move it. My apologies. I'm back. No problem. Right. I, I was just saying, Lou, that, uh, Eliani said that she, when she got her checks from the government, uh, that she donated them. And I said, you, you sort of have to be careful with that, because, uh, not that, not that she shouldn't have done that. I surely would not criticize that. But if, if, if the government decides to send everybody a check for $100 a day for the next six months, you, you you really don't want to throw those out, or, or obviously if it's somebody who needs it more than you, we always like to do that. But you don't want to throw those out because you know you're you're just going deeper in debt. There's no free lunch. I mean, in, in the last year, I mean, your 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 debt to the government went up like ten grand as an individual or something crazy like that. I mean, I can dig this up in a second. So hmm. it's, it's 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 you know it's you you can bitch and moan about um, uh, checks showing up in your mailbox every day, but you you don't want to tear down the mailbox because the next week you're going to go try and buy a used car and your neighbors that got the money are going to outbid you. Yes. Yeah, and the prices are the prices are going to jump commensurate with the uh, with the uh, yeah. infusion of cash back into the economy. It's a classic inflation. Right. Yeah. Scenario. All right, so what uh I I'm still last week you 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 answered some questions, but of course you've known me long enough to know that the minute somebody answers some questions, I immediately pop up with a few more. I still don't quite get the the economics of of what Putin is doing. I mean, if he really wants to let us screw up, all he's going to do is leave us alone. We're doing it ourselves. I mean, he, I mean, he doesn't. I don't, I don't. I guess I don't. I don't know the difference between having a terrific trading arrangement with the Ukraine and sort of having them as a satellite and, and invading them. I don't know. I don't know which is better for you. In terms of of okay, so so I think what. We, we talked last week, and, and by the way, I'm going to talk about the Bernie Flores case here okay. uh, as well this morning. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think the ultimate goal for uh, Putin right now is to essentially blunt any expansion by the West into into Ukraine in the form of either NATO. Uh, a NATO alliance or some other kind of defense agreement or something akin to that. So he wants to blunt that, number one. Number two, he wants to send a message to his own people that, hey, I'm, I'm still riding the tiger here and, and we're in, we're in control. I can, I can yank the, you know, the president of the United States one way and then I can yank Europe the other way and I can, I can, you know, Russia is still relevant in the, uh, in the discussion here. He wants to do that for his own personal investment, but he wants to do it for the, for the benefit of Russia itself and send that message to his, to his people. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think the ultimate, the ultimate end goal, as I said, is to sort of Finlandize, and I can use that as a, as a verb, Finlandize, uh, Ukraine. In other words, put, put Ukraine in a position where it's never going to get into a defense alliance with um, with the West, I mean, ultimately, he'd love to have Ukraine back within the Russian sphere of influence, like they've got with Belarus. But uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So, so what he's trying to do is neutralize the ability of NATO to um, to expand on his doorstep. 
try to send a message to the rest of the world that Russia is back. Scare the bejesus out of the Baltic states, uh, Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia, that, that, hey, your buddies in NATO can't, can't help you. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, Russia's expansionist. And, and generally improve Russia's stature in its own, in its own perception. And, uh, and, and, and try to make, try to make Russia relevant in, in terms of, in terms of what's going on in, in Europe. And, and he's doing this in a couple of different ways. But the military way is the most obvious, but he's, you know, this, this is, this is one of the reasons why that, that, uh, Gazprom, uh, pipeline was, was such an issue and, and why we blocked we blocked the, uh, or, or tried to block the ability of the Europeans to, to purchase their natural gas there and we're, we're willing to ship gas to them at a, at a somewhat reduced rate so that, that we could prevent that kind of influence. So you, you see, I mean, I, I think if you look at Ukraine and what he's doing there now, if you look at it in that context, this makes sense. It, it's the same reason that the Russians took that radio aircraft carrier they have the Kuznetsov or whatever it is, and sailed it around, you know, down the English Channel and into the Mediterranean for carrier operations in the eastern Mediterranean and inserted their own forces in a big way into, into Syria. They were, they were, economically, that did not make a lot of sense. Um, they had some allies there, but, but, you know, some, some, um, customers there for their weapons, but that did not make much sense. Except that, it gave Putin the ability to say, look, see, this is a huge hotspot. The United States is there. We're there. We can neutralize the Americans' efforts, or at least, at least blunt them. And, and hey, we're back, baby. And that's, that's a big, that's a big factor in, in his popularity and his ability to, to at least continue this sham election process that he's doing. And, and, and essentially keep himself in the forefront of Russian political, um, the Russian political culture so that, that he doesn't have to worry about any challenges down the road. But I, I, I see, uh, I mean, maybe I'm getting uh, a little too grumpy or something, but I see that the U.S. and NATO is totally two decaying assets, unfortunately. I mean, they're not, they're not aggressive anywhere, are they? Or what am I missing? Well, I think in terms of decaying assets relative to what they were like in the seventies or eighties, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the big, the big player here, and and I, I think I, I'm not a big uh, Angela uh, Merkel fan. But the big player here is Germany, and and if you if you read some of the more clear-eyed commentary coming out of places like the UK, you know, they, the Germans have basically let their armed forces just languish. And many of this is one of the this is one of the reasons you got such tough talk from uh, from Trump uh, early on in his administration where where he started talking about, hey, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna bolt out of NATO unless you guys start start paying your paying your way. We underwrote the European social welfare system for, you know, six decades after after World War Two. We, we put our defense umbrella over so that they did not have to spend the kind of arm, uh, on, the, on the kind of armaments that we were buying. Our largesse was, was, of course, 
it's very much self-interest because we, we needed Europe and we wanted Europe uh, to be uh, you know, to be our ally, and not and not under the uh, not under the control of the Soviets. But well, we financed their social welfare system, and, and I mean, there's a recognition in our in our national policy people that that okay, things aren't aren't the same as they were in the 1970s. You guys can stand up. You guys can field your own forces. You know, the French the French have been doing this for a while. The Brits have been doing it for a while. But the big marker, the, the, the big question mark has been Germany. And when we came to Germany and said, you guys need to do this, they balked. And, and instead, of, instead of pushing up their defense budget and, and setting themselves up to be able to, to be a, a really effective part of that alliance, they turn around and buy gas from, from their number one enemy and basically make their energy economy dependent on, on Russia. This is generally considered to be a, an unsmart thing, as we say in the business. Uh, well, we, I don't know, I, I, there's, there's all kinds of examples of that. We pretty much uh, made made all kinds of deals with the, with the Saudis. And who, what's good about the Saudis? They can't attack us, probably, but that's probably the only thing good about that's, them. That's the little more. The Saudis are not, you can't compare the Saudis with Russia. No. The Saudis are, are you know, not, not a world power. They're not threatening us. They don't have a wherewithal to, to basically turn, uh, you know, turn Europe into their own vassal state. Russia certainly does. Well, I mean, I, let's put it this way. You're, you're, you're looking at the public policy side of this, which is exactly what I, I would love you to do, but from the economic side of it, even if you, even if you hate the farmer next to you, if he has extra corn and you have extra milk, you make a trade. You just can't, you know, you don't, you got to be careful. You don't let the trade get to the point where you can't live without him and him without you. Or, or some people would say maybe then you'll actually talk to each other. But I mean, it's. I mean, the fact is, Russia has a lot of natural gas, and Europe needs it. So I don't know. I don't know how you just say there's there's no trade there. I mean, how do you do that? Uh, well, you may acknowledge you may acknowledge that that the farmer next to you has uh, has something has something you need. But if that farmer is your deadly enemy, who who is basically looking at not just selling you stuff, but taking over your farm ultimately, you know, forcing and he's he's doing everything he can or she can to, um, you know, divert water from your fields, um, you know, that fence that fence that that separates your property gets moved, you know, a few a uh, few yards every year in in his favor. Um, his animals come on to your to your area, and uh, and eat your you know eat your produce, eat your um, you know your, your corn or your wheat or whatever. If 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 that's happening, and you say, well, yeah, I, I can trade with the guy, but this has got to stop. Well, it's and a, I don't, you know, I, I, well, it's a trade. I mean, you have to. I mean, I remember us selling uh, wheat to the Russians back in the day when they had a, a, a real bad year and. Uh, then we get gold for it and like basically pass it over on the ship or something. I mean, there's a way to do it. I mean, I, I agree there, with you. There is there is a way there is a way to do it, but but at the same time, you would you would not turn a blind eye to that and continue open trade with somebody who was doing something like that. You would try to provide incentives, uh, either either through you know force or through economics, to to stop him from from doing this encroachment. From letting his animals graze, 
from from trying to damage your your farm operation. You know, this, this is not a this is not an this is not being driven by just pure economic concerns. This is being driven by great, as I mentioned in the in the show last week. This is being driven in large part by great Russian nationalism. I agree, which but is I... a, a very powerful force that we don't. You know, we we've worked hard to to basically eliminate nationalist fervor from our you know from our worldview and from our our political culture. But the rest of the world hasn't done that. Although the idea uh, of the pipeline. If it was oil, and we got to go to break here in a second, but if, if this was oil, nobody'd give a crap because the, the Russians would just, I mean, the Russians would just sell the oil to Qatar, and Qatar would sell it to Germany, right? It's the same oil, but but it, you, you you can you can do the two step on the oil. You can't really on gas because there's the pipeline in front of everybody's view. Uh, I, I'm, I, well, I'm, all I'm saying is that we. Our efforts vis-a-vis Russia have been designed to try. We've we, we tried to do with Russia what we tried to do with China, right? Which is come on in, open up the market, we'll trade with you, and eventually you will become more democratic, less totalitarian, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That has not worked in Russia, and it has not worked with China. By the way, that was and, uh, the reason why Milton Friedman got booted out of University of Chicago and went to Stanford. It was his view. And he was wrong on that too. I, so you and Milk well, have the same I, idea, or something? I, I think I think what happened was we simply again we we, we failed to understand that that you know the Chinese, the Russians, a number of other places do not look at the at the world the way we do. They are not interested in having one big happy intertrading family with the United States at the top. No. And, and uh, you know, let, let's 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 be honest. That's our world. We we like that because we're the economy that can that can support that kind of relationship. We got these, these other break countries here, so why should we why should we give credence and, and uh, pay uh, feasance to the United States? Uh, SP we're, futures, we're not, not going to do it. SP futures down forty nine. down three thirty four. Big reason for that is Facebook down seventy two bucks to two fifty. It was uh, three twenty. It's not anymore. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Well, do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with 
with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alex. He's Eliani on the board. We have Lou Michaels with us as well. Uh, we have a down day here, mostly because of uh, Facebook down 70 bucks, 250 they missed on uh, revenue, and they guided lower, which... Uh, they're supposed to be over twenty nine thirty billion next year in uh, revenue, and they said no, they weren't going to be. So uh, stock is taking a beating. There's no. Uh, I used to love doing all these earnings plays, and uh, been you know moderately successful for a lot of t- a lot of years. And now uh, I have uh, in the last few months I've stopped doing them because I I kept uh, you know if the, the spread was cheap enough I'd I'd uh, you know make a trade where if the stock stayed kind of where it was. It, and would move less than the straddle that I do okay, man. I, I've never seen these things moving this kind of, this kind of stuff. 10, 15, 20% on, these are, this is not like, uh, biotech companies where, you know, it's either an approval or not. These are companies around a while and they're just making dramatic moves. I mean, UPS 10% up, these guys 20% down. It's pretty tough to trade that. Uh, anyway, S&P futures down 46, NASDAQ futures down 319, Dow futures only down 78. Quiet in the Dow patch because Facebook is not in the Dow. <clears throat> the one in the Dow is it's down is three, Microsoft's down 346. We got Honeywell down 659, uh, so there's some movement there, but not that much. We're in Europe. DAX down 72.5%, FTSE down 16.2%, CAC around down 16.2, so it's lower but quiet over in Europe, not much. Nikkei now 292. That's a one, uh, 1%. We've got the Shanghai still closed. We've got the Hang Seng still closed for the Chinese New Year. Year of the Tiger, as I, as I recall. Uh, Dow Jones yesterday were up 224, S&P up 42, NASDAQ only up 71, so, uh, we're down from yesterday morning, obviously, quite a bit. Uh, bonds, one point, well, let's say 1.80, up 332, three basis points. Bund, uh, up three uh, basis points to point zero seven. Wow! From all those all those years, we were below zero. Japan unchanged at positive point one eight. Um, oil down a buck twenty one to eighty seven oh five. Brent down a buck eighty eight thirty nine. Natural gas down thirty one cents. 
to 519. Again, a very volatile natural gas market. There's 5 6% moves virtually every two or three days a week in there. It's crazy. Our Bob down 2 cents, 258. We've got gold down 870, but still hanging over 1800, 1801. Silver down 36 cents, 2237. And we've got Bitcoin down at 1100 bucks at 36,428. Eliani, what do you got for us, traffic weather sports? Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.38 a.m. on February 3rd. Let's start with sports and basketball. Uh, we have nothing to report from last night, but Bulls will play Raptors tonight. What do you tonight. mean? The Irish beat Miami. Well, I'm talking about our teams. Oh, all right. <laughs> I can't report on every single sport. We don't have enough time for that. The Irish are sort of our team. Sort of our team. Is it? Well, I'm Browns. I don't know. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> Keep going. We're talking about high college here. Go ahead. All right, right, right. Okay, so Bulls will play Raptors tonight, and the Suns will play Hawks tonight as well. In hockey, Blackhawks lose to Wild, 0-5, to massive loss. And Coyotes lose to Calgary Flames, 2-4. to In college basketball, U of I beat uh, Wisconsin um, Badgers, 80-67. to Sorry, my brain just <laughs> decided to pause. Uh, nothing to report for our friends in Phoenix last night, but Elon will play UNC tonight at 6 o'clock. In weather today, the longer the short of it is, it's cold. But uh, currently in Chicago, we're sitting at 27 degrees, so at least the temperature is not too bad. We'll have a low of 16 today. Expect some more snow later in the day. Uh, thankfully, we are out of that uh, severe weather warning, so that's great news. And Phoenix, sunny, 38, with a high of 60, low of 37, so they're sitting pretty great. Uh, Chicago, already busy morning on the roads. There's an accident on I-90 East at the Route 71 Cumberland exit. Another accident on I-80 at Harlem. Another accident on I-80 at the I-57 exit. An accident on the I-80, I-94 uh, intersect near Torrance Avenue exit. Traffic on 94 East between Glenwood and Dyer. Uh, and diversity, uh, traffic on 94 West between Kedzie and Canal Port. More traffic 55 north between Route 71 to the uh, all the way downtown to the 92 uh, 94 290 construction intersect. Same thing on 290 east from Wolf Road to the two, uh, 94 290 construction intersect. Pretty light for now, but expect that to get heavier as the morning goes on. And that's all I have for you, Chief. Back to you, Lou. Uh, hey, before we roll into this uh, uh, thing with the coaches, which obviously I'd love to. Talk, I mean, I was dying to have you on this morning for that reason. Uh, give me give me a view because you, you you've been close to this. There has to be, and all these guys go to these conventions and so forth. There there has to be a a back channel of of uh, of when I say back channel, there has to, sort of like people on the trading floor. You always knew people that were honest. You knew people who were good traders. You knew people that did a really good job for a crummy boss. You knew people that they they were carried by their boss. You knew the story about everybody. And I and I have to believe that in the NFL. It's got to be exactly the same way, only maybe worse. Um, so there's got to be something I can't tell. You probably got people you could call. You know, what's 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 the scuttlebutt? Use a Navy term. And uh, I'm Navy. You know, horrible owner, horrible GM. The guy kept his team together. Can't believe he won two of the last three games or whatever. The guy, you know, somebody's going to want him two years from now. Or he proved that he's not a head coach; he's a coordinator, and maybe he'll get a job somewhere in the next year. I mean, these these this one African American gentleman who was fired a couple spots is a scuttlebutt that he fire was fired because you know what he was doing, and why does he deserve another job just because he's black? Or was the owner a, a knucklehead and he should never have been fired in the first place? I mean, there's got to be way more going on behind the scenes, except than than just you know some idiot reporters writing articles. 
Um, okay, so so that, that's about ten questions. But let me let me that's try to that's put a thread at. together and then come come to where I think the Flores case is, is headed. There is a there is a vast within that community vast network of informal communication between coaches, between NFL management, and to a lesser extent between owners about personnel and um, you know who's easy to work with, who did a great job, what's the real circumstance in, in places like like Washington or Chicago or Las Vegas, um, you know who who's calling the shots. There, there's a there's a, a very significant network of of inner of informal communication and and ratings that go on between between coaches, their their families, uh, the spouses play into this sometimes. And, and that is a source of continual uh, information, well, or great, in much greater detail than you would see that gets reported in in the press, and and for good reason because you know if you start if you start putting word out that that you know so and so's got a got a drinking problem, or at, at such and such a club, you know the owner the owner was actually. Uh, you know, engaged in, in certain types of behavior, you'll have a, you'll have a defamation lawsuit on your hands and, and or a tortious interference lawsuit on your hands. So this stuff, this stuff generally stays below the surface. Um, you know, you, you saw an indication of that with the Belichick text to, to Flores saying, hey, congratulations on the job, but he sent it to the wrong guy. And, and, and that, that, that's an example of the kind of, the kind of, uh, the kind of comms that exist within within this NFL community. So, to answer your question, yeah, there, there's a lot more information on people in terms of their performance, their ability to get along with people, their um, their idiosyncrasies. There's a lot more information out on those folks informally and available to general managers, coaching staffs, etc. than than you and I would would have access to. Um, with respect to the Miami situation and that lawsuit. I'm I'm pretty sure they're not trying to they're not trying to get this guy's job back, and I'm pretty sure they're not trying to put together a suit for for race discrimination. Uh, the lawsuit, which I read yesterday, reads like a rant, a continuous, you know, a set of of Twitter feed of uh, uh, tweets that that got assembled into a you know into a document. So, the where I think this is going, and, and you saw this if you listened to ESPN yesterday and, and and read some of the other sports commentators that were coming out on Twitter and and uh, on Facebook. I think this is an ownership play. I I think this lawsuit has been has been generated in right, coordination well, with right, back, back, other back up here. Entities. Right, back up. He's not. He's not pissed off at these guys for firing him. He's pissed off at having two more interviews and not getting those jobs. I mean, is that that's what the press is saying? Is that the truth? I, I don't know exactly. I, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's angry about that, and I'm sure he's he's upset that that he didn't get he didn't get picked up. But that lawsuit, first of all, the lawsuit contains and the two admissions that he didn't do what the owner wanted, and and that'll that'll get you fired. You know, it contains two admissions that's completely unrelated to any kind of race claim, and, and so his claim that he was fired because he's black just doesn't doesn't hold up. 
his claim that they were that that people had already selected uh, individuals for jobs and that his his interviews were just a sham that that doesn't have anything to do with race discrimination um, so what what but what the lawsuit is is that basically every snarky terrible thing you could say about the National Football League going back to 1921 is in that lawsuit and and every kind of every kind of uh, de- derogatory you know comment that, that you could make including the idea that the NFL owners are like a bunch of plantation owners that's in there the only reason you put stuff like that in there is if you're not trying to uh, well, I shouldn't say the only reason in my opinion the reason all that stuff is in there is to try to embarrass the National Football League into getting a black ownership group in we now have a team that's up for sale uh, the, the, the Broncos we have a situation where somebody thinks they might be able to leverage uh, forcing out an owner maybe the guy in Miami although I don't I don't see how that would be possible but the but the Broncos coming up for sale is something where, where if you were trying to put a black leadership group in or if you wanted a, if you wanted a, a, a particular owner uh, owner group put in there and they were it was going to be fronted by uh, African Americans, or or it was going to be comprised of of a, of a black leadership group with black investors. This is this is how you would do it, or this is one way of doing it. You would light up a lawsuit like this that contains all this horrible stuff about what a terrible place the National Football League is, and how how all these owners are racist, and how there's no there's no black uh, there's no black ownership group in the in the NFL. And, and you, you throw this into a lawsuit and you start banging the drum on sports media, which is what happened yesterday. And, and now you come to the NFL and say, you know, you guys have been with Black Lives Matter and on board with all this stuff, but it's all window dressing and, and you're not going to, you know, you don't have any, you don't have any African American head coaches and you're, and you're not going to, uh, change this until you get a black owner. So here's the black ownership group that we're putting forward that's going to get put forward to buy the Broncos, and, and you need to make that sale happen. I, I, think, I think that's what's going on. I don't, I, the connection, <laughs> you know, I almost, God bless it, I shouldn't shouldn't do this, but it almost makes me laugh. Uh, it's like saying if we all of a sudden get a whole bunch of black aldermen in Chicago, It'll it'll make a difference in the city. Yeah, we get twenty people stealing that are black instead of white. What's what's the difference? So so in other words, they want they want to make sure they're not going to change the culture. They just want one of somebody in there. I I just whatever. I mean, uh, there there is a there is a. If you listen to what was coming out from people like Stephen A. Smith and some of these other folks yesterday on, on ESPN, the idea is exactly what you said. We're not going, I mean, or at least this is the argument. I, whether these guys actually intend to change the system, I have absolutely no idea. I, to my mind, this is a straight up, somebody has gotten enough political clout in, together within, within that, that media elite group and is saying, I want to put a black owner in. This is our, our next big social justice push. The NFL is the one you know, one of the major American cultural areas that has no African American presence at the top, and we want to force our way in. You know, this is a good chance to, to force our way in there. Oh, and by the way, it's going to benefit, you know, a, a particular bunch of people. But but 
it, this is all being done under the cover of a social justice. But is there, is there ever been know, any, social justice push? Has there ever been any? Boy, I'm way out on a limb here politically correctly today. I don't care. Has uh, there ever been a black ownership group that got together, made a bid to to a place like Denver, and which which was is is as good, not better, as good a bid as somebody else who got turned down? I'm, I'm going to say no. I I have no idea, but but I'll, you know this is. The angle, the angle that they're looking for here is to is to put a much as you do with affirmative action programs is to put a finger on the scale and tilt the scale in favor of this group using race as as a as the you know the extra weight going to the NFL and saying you you need to you need to promote this group they're going to put a bid in it uh, it's uh, is it it's uh, Robert. Uh, Johnson's group, at least he was identified earlier, I think, the head of the guy that owned the Black Entertainment Network. Um, you, you need to put in, you need to put in a, a push for, um, you know, for this, this particular group. And even if they can't come up with the same money bid, which, which is, a you know, an objective and a measure, even if they can't come up with the same amount of money, you need to, you need to, Talk to the ownership and get the NFL owners to agree to take this group in with some other kind of financial incentive to to you know even up the the economic shortfall. the The biggest problem they've got here, as I, as from my perspective, is that the the Broncos are not owned by an individual; they're owned by a trust, and the trust the the owners of the trust. The, the people who are managing it, the, the trustees, have a fiduciary duty to the rest of the, the rest of the trust members to get the best economic deal out of this that they can. Well, why wouldn't they? So, so well, it's not like they? they could put put a finger on the scale or, or go after the, the uh, you know the trustees and say, "You guys have to have to you know take a lower bid on this or, or a slightly lesser bid on this because because of this this social justice concern." They can't. They can't do that. The trustees will say, "Hey, listen, we don't want to get sued. We're not going to. We're not going to accept the offer." Well, funny. Uh, this is very similar. My, uh, we have a mutual friend um, who uh, knows. Well, he has uh, done applications for people for marijuana places. And when Jay Pritzker came in and he said, "Wow, all these things are. They look pretty lily white to me." Uh, this is an outrage, and of course everybody jumped on the bandwagon. How could all these places making all this money be mostly white? And uh, they're going to go out for for more uh, applications. So this gentleman that we know uh, contacted, I think I'm going to say at least two, maybe three groups, African American and two groups of women. Held a whole bunch of meetings, and there's a certain amount of I don't know what the application was reasonably high, a little fifty grand, something like that, uh, maybe more, and. Uh, uh, went through the whole routine, and this is what you have to do. You have to be totally vetted, and you have to, you know, whatever, come up with ten grand a piece if there's five of you, and uh, the chances of getting one or, or something. But al- allegedly, they're going to favor the minority and uh, and women businesses this time through. And all of a sudden, oh, we're not we're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, not not one of the groups came up with the dough. You know, it's uh, you know, it. I mean, I, I mean, I, you can't. It's, it's one thing to say you'd like to have more women and, and, and minority uh, 
but it's it's there, there are plenty of women and minority people that can come up with an application fee for a marijuana place. They somehow feel that they don't they don't well this his groups didn't feel like they should have it. Now, if they all did and none of them got none of them got selected, well then I have a problem with that too. Why shouldn't they get selected? Everybody should be in a, you should be at least even, right? I mean, uh, well, so so the NFL the NFL ownership gain if you want to buy in. You not just you don't just have to just cough up a certain amount of money. You have to you have to the the, the uh, NFL owners have to vote to allow you as an investment group to come in because you affect the rest of their investments. So the way this would work, I presume, assuming assuming I'm correct with my little conspiracy theory here, well, is that you, you would get a, a group of investors. Either all African American or fronted by by African American owners, who who appear and say we want to buy this this club, and there's only one for sale, and it doesn't happen that often. So so I assume it's the targeting they're targeting Denver, or or they're going to force out they're going to try to figure out a way to force out another owner. But but the, for for you know terrible conduct like which is basically what happened at, at Carolina with the franchise in Charlotte. That owner was accused of being in the in the middle of the Me Too furor. That owner was accused of of saying uh, ugly things to women in the in his in his employee in his office. And the NFL, you know, was heavily pressured and trying you know trying to make an impression on on women, uh, trying to bring the women fans in. And and they were very sensitive to this, and they they basically went to him and said, "You got to get out of the you got to get out of the business because you're bad for us." So, so they may be targeting an owner. They, they, I think they're looking at Denver, but they come forward and the, and the, the asking price is three point three point eight billion dollars. That's the valuation. So these guys come in and they're at three point five billion or three point three point three billion, and and there's other other groups that are coming in with the full the full asking price. The the group the the African American group goes to the NFL. And they start, they start the drumbeat through the, through press, through their, their media contacts, saying, it's time to break up the plantation. You need to put an African American owner in the, in there. The fact that their, their bid is slightly less than everybody else's bid is irrelevant. You, you need, you're, you're going to get, you know, there's, there's a social justice cost to this that, that is not a, a, a value to this, that, that it should be part of the sale price and, and, this will be this will be uh, the way it. you you show your bona fides to to social, the social justice concern. Lou, that's you either you either reject the other price, the other uh, bids, or you um, and, and and make these guys the choice. And in doing that, you will have to you'll have to come up with some kind of way of, of compensating the the trust because the trustees will not. I mean, as, as a legal matter, I don't think they can they can take a lower bid. Well, you you know my so, views my views totally and. The idea, by the way, I don't, I don't think the uh, the term plantation owners is all that wrong, although that implies that they're all. You, white. you just don't, yeah. But you, you don't like, you don't like the fact that that these guys have control of of players when these guys when the players. No, I don't, I don't like the idea that they're, they're in this country that there that there's any industry where you have to be voted in by the other people in the industry to get in it. That's so un-American. I can't even go there. Well, but it's not un-American in the sense that, in fact, it's perfect. It's pure, good old-fashioned economic analysis. You don't want to bring you don't want to bring somebody into your business operation, and it is a joint business operation. 
you don't want to bring somebody into your joint business operation. Let's put, let's put that, this way: that you don't want to that you don't want to work with. It doesn't have to be that joint. It doesn't have to be a cartel. It's way over the top in that regard. Way over the top. Well, I, you know, my response to that is take it up with the union because this is a this is a unionized shop, and that well, that's how that organization okay, is, is put you, together. Okay, but the, the players' union has more say in what happens in, the, in an NFL, you know, within within the scope of, of an NFL club's business operations than a lot of other places. They 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 don't have great negotiating leverage, but but they've got a lot of say. I mean, they've got say in things like stadiums. Uh, yeah, but okay, but. It, what, what we, we we only have a couple of minutes. We need to. We should fight this out maybe next week. You, you can't. The the union in in a, in a, in a, in a uh, antitrust exempt industry is nothing more than a prop. Lou. It's it's like the slaves had a union. What's the difference? Well, uh, the the difference the difference is these guys are are making millions and okay, millions I get that and part. millions. I get and that that's part. The I, I understand it, but 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 it's it's not a. It's, you, you can't be. You know, the guy sitting in the double wide and the, and the wife beater drinking a beer saying they make more than me, therefore they're paid enough. That's not, that's not us. That's not, enough is what? How much, how much do they make? And how, how much do the McCaskies make by, by just being old and sitting there and be doddering by a hundred million a year? That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, I mean, they own, they own the rights to the club. I understand that, but my point is the, 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 the antitrust exemption is way over the top. The idea that you that if somebody comes in, be it a Trump, be it a Mark Cuban, be it a Magic Johnson, be it be it somebody Asian for God's sake, they never let him in or her. I mean, that they get to vote them out. I mean, Chief, who Chief, gets to do that? I'm going to go back to your economics argument. That the top 95 or something like that programs, ratings programs last year on on uh, out of 100 programs, the top 100 ranked programs for viewers. Last year on on the TV, the NFL had ninety five no, no, or some incredible number like that. Uh, nobody knows better than me that sports is now the opiate of the people. And it, and it's, you know, uh, I'm just I, well. I mean, you can you can you can poke holes in whatever you want. The short answer is this: the NFL is a is a golden goose, or it's a goose laying golden eggs, and and it, out of out of pure economic interest on the part of the owners, the players, and the people watching the games. And you're not going to you're not going to be able to convince anybody that this you know somebody needs to come in and, and break all this up. I'm just saying that, that to, to go back to my point, I, what's happening with Flores does not read like an employment discrimination lawsuit. I, I, it reads like a lever, a public relations lever to try to to try to bash the NFL. I know. And, and by the I way, think it's, I think it's being done. Not for the benefit of Flores, and not for the benefit of other black coaches and general managers, but but for the benefit of trying to put an African American owner group into into an NFL franchise, and they've got a franchise open, and and this is the this is a, the mechanism they're gonna they're gonna use. Right, they're gonna try to use public shame and the social justice rubric to to say you need to take this group and exclude the rest of them. Right, well, I guess what I'm saying, Lou, is the from what I can understand, from what I read about, because you told me they had an antitrust exemption, and they really don't. They, have they an, do. They have an antitrust exemption as far as marketing together. And they're the same one that baseball does. Well, it's it, no, it's not the same one baseball does. They've got an antitrust exemption with because they're a multi-employer bargaining unit, and everything they bargain about they, with, with their union 
is covered by that that multi-employer antitrust you know, the, exemption. The, the original shot came when the AFL got together at the NFL and they got an exemption to market together. I believe was the deal, and they've they've taken that ball and run with it. That that thing never said that that you guys get to vote on a new owner coming in. That, 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 that's something. This is like a country club, for God's sake. It's not a country club. I mean, it's one thing to have a you know a, a place in New York, an athletic company where you can blackball somebody. This is way too big a business. You and I came up with the dough. I don't want somebody in there saying we don't like Lou. Screw him. I don't like you either. Screw you. I mean, I, 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 no, well, no. and yet, and yet, when you sign an economic a, a relationship, a business relationship with a business partner, should you have to take the business partner if that guy puts more money in? But the, I, my point is, they've pushed it that far. And a, a marketing relationship is not is not doesn't give you the right to tell somebody else. I mean, you know, maybe the this bi- is this is not no no no. The, the NFL ownership agreements are not are not covered by this antitrust exemption. The NFL ownership arrangements are, are, this is a business consortium. Okay, but I'm saying that, that, that took it too that far. That brings partners in and, and they vote on their own business partners. This is a, this is a, a fight for next week. It's like saying you'll let the big accounting firms have, uh, rights to put money together and talk about the advantages of using a real CPA for doing your accounting and having that morph into we get to vote whether there gets to be a new CPA firm. It's a whole different story. Well, again, I, I, care, I would character, I characterize it and, and I, I'm not defending it one way or the other. I'm just saying this is the way it is. It's a business partnership where you are bringing in business partners in an economic relationship and you, because as a condition of joining the partnership, you have to be approved by the votes of the other partners and it's not, not that different. Well, they voted, they voted Trump out. Much as I don't like the man, that's, that's unconscionable to me. I mean, they almost. Uh, about, oh, you, oh, you mean when they rejected his, yeah. his yeah, we, 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 football team into New Jersey? Yeah, we we, we got a dash, but we'll we'll fight about this next week or others. I bet there's other stuff to talk about by next week. We don't seem to be able to push one off week to week, do we? We didn't even we didn't even touch on the sexual harassment issues of the CNN uh, debacle. Oh God, well that'll be around. Well, he brought his girlfriend with him. <laughs> that's, that's the story anyway, yeah. <laughs> SP Futures down 45, Dazay Futures down 317. Right back, Mr. Dan Janiers. This self directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? 
Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. S&P Futures uh, down 45. NASDAQ Futures down 322. Mostly this is because of Facebook down 72 bucks. On its 20%, uh, 251. Nobody liked the missing a little bit on uh, on the revenue. And I guess they, they well missed on earnings. And they they thought the revenue was supposed to be more than $30 billion next year. And uh, they claim no. So anyway, it's getting whacked because of that. Mr. Dan, how are you, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Doing all right. I was sorry being a minute late. I'm always getting arguments with Lou regarding uh, the. You know, it, it is interesting. Uh, the man is pretty much always right, but it is it is so crazy the difference between me looking at something as a as kind of a free market economist and him looking at something as a lawyer and the, the things he takes for granted and the things I don't. It's it, 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 to me, it's good discussion because there's no right or wrong to it. It's just a totally different point of view. Absolutely. I mean, he, you know, he, he, and he's 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 correct legally that uh, not that you want to get involved in this, but all, but you have good opinions and everything. That that uh, be, since since there has become a union, um, every everything pretty much the antitrust stuff is sort of off these guys, and yet I don't see how the hell a union has any power against a a cartel. I mean, <laughs> to start with, it's almost like you you, you become a. Uh, I don't know, almost like a, a, a you know a, a pawn form or something. It's like it's it's, it's like uh, uh, when when people. I always thought that the uh, after being in our industry, that the accounting firms were were absolute morons for not wanting a regulator. Because most people say, "Why the hell would you want a regulator?" Well, because they if you're big enough, they insulate you from the Justice Department. If you're small enough, they, they they harass you. But if you're big enough, they insulate you. I mean, there's there's no way that that Arthur Anderson would ever be out of business if they had a regulator. They'd have gotten a half a million dollar fine, and it would be happy, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a felony. It would not have been in court. True. Just say anyway. Enough of that. What what do you what do you make of this? Uh, we have uh, the Bank of England raised rates today uh, to 05 percent, which didn't seem to cause much of a problem anywhere. Uh, Europe stayed the same. Our guys must have been buying bonds again this week, even though some people are saying seven raises next year. Meanwhile, these guys are—is this? Are they going to be like? Uh, I'm not saying you, you'd be one of these guys, but if, uh, if for instance, we were going to have uh, uh, 
you know, no booze anymore any in two weeks. I mean, there's going to be people who be at the bar every single night for two weeks. Is that what the Fed's doing before they decide they're going to raise this rate or what? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's and while they're at the bar, they're watching the tank dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just seems it, it it's really, I think, uh, to, to see the Bank of England come out, um, I think it's quite logical to see them come out and, and, you know, 25 basis points, although four of the members were ready to raise 50 basis points. They already had a rate hike in December. You know, they're seeing similar inflation numbers, and I think they're kind of out ahead of the U.S. Usually it, it isn't like that. I mean, usually the U.S. is, you know, the rest of the world kind of follows what we do, but um, it's, it, I've been saying this for, for quite a while now, the Fed is really being reactionary rather than proactive. And we have to be, in our industry, we have to be proactive, <laughs> you know, we so that we can, you know, hold off any, um, you know, continued inflation or runaway inflation and some of the jokes uh, that are probably a day late now or just, but you know, about what the ground up or whoever, political figure going back um, in its whole, um, you know, for another six months and basically inflation continuing during that period of time. So it's, I think the... Um, it's already built into the market. I think hikes are built into the market. How many? It, it's kind of hard to say. The volatility that we've seen since the beginning of the year, it, I think it's really been driven by um, the, the sort of lack of movement, um, not not lack of direction because we know what they're going to do, but it's it's just it just has to be done. So it's yes, um, I agree with you. It's sort of there's this time period. Um, that's going to happen, but I do think once the news does happen, and, and hopefully and most likely in in um, March, and hopefully and most likely there's going to be talk about continuing this, it's, you know, beyond March, um, then we're going to see a reaction to the market that is probably already anticipated or probably already built in. So, in other words, I don't think we're going to see any huge sell-off in the market. I don't think there's going to be any surprises. If anything, they're going to disappoint on the slow side um, if you will so it's it's it you know to me it's a bit frustrating because having done this for so long especially being on the bond side watching the cycles the easing and the tightening cycles we're in the you know the mature part of the cycle right now we're anticipating um, you know inflation is already hitting us in the face and it seems like each day it hits us even harder and you know there really I don't know how many warnings there need to be um, before um, you know the Fed just acts and does does it because we do need some slowdown on the uh, on the inflation front. Well, and, if, if and we there's no question the demand side needs it needs to slow down. The other thing that has to happen simultaneously is, and this is something that's also you know been for me it's been a it's been a um, something that's become so noticeable. Is the supply side? People got to get back to work at this point. You know, there's just there there just can't be any more delays and get back to work. Whatever incentives need to be provided um, to get people back to work are going to help the country tremendously. And there has to be more. I think back to there has to be a little bit more of a uh, unity in in you know the country and getting everyone back to work and. And getting people feeling productive again, and and um, that I just don't know how much longer the virus can be considered a um, a rationale for people not working or not, you know, maybe working at the same pro- level of productivity that they have in the past. And 
Um, so that's, you know, the, the, those are the two things that are going to help. You know, well, we're down from some Illinois. Fed and then also seeing people get back to work. In Illinois, we're down from, or Illinois or Chicago, I don't know, we're down from 10,000 cases a day two months ago to 2,000. And, uh, and just about everybody who's getting it round two that's been vaccinated. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know about the, the debate between how much worse it is vaccinated for other. I know, I know some people, uh, that have got it a second time after being vaccinated and it was way worse than the first time before they were vaccinated. So I'm, I'm not buying this. You know, if you're vaccinated, you're okay or the commercials were. Anyway, but I don't want to, let's not you and I get into that debate because we, we won't know. History will have to write that book. But, uh, is history write a book? I don't know if they do or not, but the, uh, it'll be in history. How's that? The, uh, I, but you're, it's, I just got a uh, email from one of my Fed buddies. He might be coming back a day in March. For God's sake, Dan, there, there, there are employees. I've been there for two years. Home. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing? I mean, it, it, exactly. That's, that's exactly my point. It's, 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 and here in South Florida, there's been this, you know, we've seen in Southwest Florida, we've seen a huge influx of younger people, um, who, who just kind of came to escape to a place where it's, you know, less expensive to live, and um, this sort of continued. You know, you used to take that that break between you know high school and college, and maybe travel or or or, or do something. Um, you know, I always had a job, but but you know, there were a lot of people who did that. You know, somewhere in Europe, or and that you know, there's only so much of that that can happen. And there's so many jobs that are waiting to be filled, and um, I think there just has to be a little bit of a change in mentality. And a little bit more focus on providing those incentives, whether it's coming from the government or hopefully coming from the employers, without having to feel the squeeze. And all the CEO, CEOs I speak to are feeling the squeeze at this point. They're, it's not so hard to pass on some of the cost increases, uh, but it is harder to pass on the wage increases. And the process of hiring people when you start getting beyond entry-level positions is just really slow, slow down. So the having to do everything, you know, remotely seems like it should be helping, but in some ways it's not. People can make quicker decisions if they're face to face, and you know the people who young, I've talked to a lot of younger people too, sort of more and doing research and finding out, you know, what they're going through. And some of these positions that they had would never work from home, like management consultants and you know, MBA people, you know, and people in our industry are now requiring them to get back in the office, requiring them to meet with the clients face-to-face. And I think that's a good thing, but um, it can't happen fast enough <laughs> is, well, I, is, I, is sort of the way I feel about it. There has to be a point where, where you know, people just get back. So both the supply and the demand side will come together very nicely, I think, if, if you know, workers get back. And also if the Fed just starts doing what it needs to be doing at this point. And I think we're going to see, at that point, we see less inflation and, you know, it's, um, or, you know, like you're saying, I mean, what, what's the other option? People are going to wait until, you know, they can't afford it. I mean, I got my, my electric bill and my water bill and I'm looking and saying, wow, they're like 20% increases. And, uh, at some point the average person is going to say, you know, the younger person is going to say, Hey, I can't afford this anymore. You know, gas is, everything's expensive. I got to go get, get a part-time job. Rather than that happening, I think I'd rather there be incentives. Um, for people to get back to work. And I think that I'd rather see, you know, rate hikes. You know, if people want to have a little money to start seeing a little bit of interest in the bank account, that, that's not such a bad thing. So, well, it's, um, I, uh, part of the cycle needs to move forward. 
you know, I think a lot of what you're... It's been sort of delayed for too, thing has been delayed for too long. So. I actually have three, three specific questions for you. Uh, sure. Uh, it has to do with everything you've just been saying. Uh, makes all the all sense in the world, except it's 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 sort of been so long. I mean, uh, if I think what you're saying is what everybody else has been saying. The, the matter of fact, all state I just mentioned, I mentioned it before, has raised their rates twelve percent this morning. I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, yes. So they, uh, we I think we both agree. We might fight on whether it's two and a half or three, but the the neutral rate is two and a half or three. We're at zero or point two five. So if we think we'll be way behind the curve, I'm not talking about a a seven percent, you know, or twelve percent Volcker-ish we're gonna fight inflation. I'm talking just neutral. Why why wouldn't anybody right now say we gotta get to that number as quick as we can? I'm not talking about next week, but it better be we better be there by like June or someplace or March because that's neutral, for God's sake. That's not even fighting anything. How, I mean, how do we? Right. How, do, how are we going to stay if we if we realize we have a problem with with the pool overflowing? How do we not turn the water off today? You can't think about talking about it. Free, turn it off. What are you going to let it leak over for another three months? Right. I, no, I am one hundred percent with you on that. It, it's, that's uh, would only be destructive, I think, to the to the economy and. You know, the market seems to shrug it off, and, you know, right now people are asking, you know, just to kind of repeat some of what, what we've been saying in terms of looking for more, you know, conservative investments. You know, the main thing I say is in this environment, you know, just sort of hold on for the ride. If you're, you know, the water's a little choppy, just, you know, stay with the names you like. You know, we still like the infrastructure names like NASDAQ and Aztec that we've been talking about, uh, MTZ and ATF. ASDE. They've been a little volatile in here too, but nothing's slunk. I mean, the businesses are going to continue. Um, their problems, they, they are having some problems with labor, but their um, demand side is, is really strong. Um, REITs, this is a good environment for REITs. Um, seeing higher rates go up, and we have plenty of time right now before the hurricane hits, if you will, to know how to prepare for, for this environment of high rates. And there are certain um, securities that do well and REITs do well and you can either be in self like the self storage which has done quite well or be in Q if you just want exposure to the REITs or you can look at specific REITs that um, are going to give you an attractive yield and are not going to be impacted um, negatively um, by higher rates well, Dan, you birds, are... we've talked about Blue Knight um, and the other area that I want to stress that, that I think people are you know they've They've shied away from it, but it still has value. It's, it's short-term high-yield bonds. They still have some room to go in here. They're, you know, they're, they're spread over over treasuries is about three hundred and three hundred basis points, so three percent. And that spread has been as narrow as two fifteen. So we still have room to go. So even if short rates continue to go higher, it doesn't mean that the value of your high-yield bond is going to drop. It may mean the value of your high-grade bond or your treasury bond is going to drop. It, it does mean the value of well, your treasury bond is going to drop, but high yield will hang in there in this environment and it will continue to pay out a higher return than what you're getting in the more conserved investments, and I'm not concerned about the credit quality issues or the default issues. Well, you, so you that's want... a place that you can continue to get some decent yield. And then the one, you know, the one final area that, you know, we've, I've got a new name, um, but uh, utilities. Um, high rates, utilities do well. 
Um, you know, we've talked about Black Hills, BKH. We've talked about Spire, which is a gas, uh, natural gas uh, utility, SR, PRA, that's the ticker symbol, SR, preferred, and it's a six, it pays a 6% dividend. But a new name that came up at this conference that we've, that we like, that we've done some work on is, is, uh, Ottertail, another, uh, good Midwestern company based in mini, uh, Minnesota. And a lot of their business is in Minnesota and North Dakota. And their utility, they have actually branched into wind power, and they're actually profitable on the wind power side in North Dakota. Really? And very excited about that side of their business. And where, where, where do they what sell? I say is hats off to these guys because this is really what we want to see with, quote, climate change. We want to see companies, utilities that have a lot of experience and understand infrastructure um, just move into the next generation, if you will. And these guys seem to be... Dan, how do they... Uh First of all, what was the name of the one in Minnesota? The guys that are playing six percent. Oh well, no, the ones that are paying six percent is Spire, S P I R E, ticker symbol S R, and for the preferred, it's S R P R A, and that's that's uh, natural gas, and that's they're more they're in Missouri, Arkansas, but they're in the South, Alabama, Mississippi, but Ottertail is is the one in Minnesota, O T T R, Otter, um, like the. Uh, the animal, yep. <laughs> and they're, um, like I said, just a, it's a you know a smaller company, well managed. Um, they also have a small plastics business, um, but the utility business is, it's kind of a I think it's a good story with growth potential based on them you know getting into when you say um, growth raising raising our, our rates and the raising rates yeah <laughs> on top of that they have they have that they have uh, yeah I mean that's uh, that's kind of, I think we're seeing that across the board. Um, what are I know they were saying, I heard something this morning that people in the UK are paying, you know, as much as 50% more on the utilities. So, yeah, they're passed through. Um, you know, the costs are passed through. People that work there, especially management level people in, in the companies I've mentioned, they've been there a long time and they know how to, they're, they're, uh, in a good position to take on growth. Um, and they're also in a good position to to move, you know, to kind of to reduce emissions and to try to move a little more towards um, some of the more, you know, the you know, the climate change um, incentives and and you know they're receiving the incentives I should say, but but to move into climate change, they're already you know the wind power and solar, they're already well positioned. They What's already a- have the base, they have the infrastructure. Um, and they have the experience. Dan, what's the what's the nature? The people in South Dakota with the wind power. I mean, I've I read reasonable amounts on that, and it you can't get too far away from the company doing the wind power into the fights and debate over the grid, right? Uh, we're yeah, because I mean, we're, we're, I'm going with this, and I don't want to take forever because it's it's more than a a, a two second explanation. But there's this utility grid which people have obviously heard about. Um, cause you can, you can plug into back and forth pretty much wherever you are. Uh, but they're not all the same. Some are these newer, uh, high, high, uh, well, I guess they're high, whatever you want to call it. They, the, the, the wires are better. The, the, yeah. the voltage doesn't degrade. More technologically along the advanced. And, uh, but they're not all the same direction back and forth. And when you talk about the grid coming from, say, South Dakota to 
Wisconsin. Once it gets into Wisconsin and all that connects with us, so theoretically you could plug into Wisconsin grid and, and some of that power, if you plug into there, some of it could be absorbed here. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated, but the idea is, uh, Commonwealth Edison, I got, I sort of know this, uh, Dan, because one of my buddies is a high, high wire guy for the utilities and I was driving through Indiana. It was pretty windy and he said, and I saw they got this huge wind farm somewhere around, uh, uh, where's Purdue? Uh, whatever, about half, about 150 miles down. And I'm like, half of them aren't even turning. What's the deal? And he goes, well, the grid can't accept them. It doesn't need the power. And I said, well, what do you mean? I, I mean, why would you never want wind power to get on the grid and turn something else off? He's, oh no, that's not the way it works. You know, Commonwealth Edison, they they like the grid just the way it is. But now the people from South Dakota might want the the high efficiency wires coming this way from South Dakota, so they can actually market their product here. And Commonwealth Edison says, "Hey, wait a minute! You're not going to ask me to pay for that part of the grid area. That's just all for you guys. I'd rather use the plants I have." So there's there's massive debates within the grid part among the the people that are here and like it just the way it is, and the people who are trying to break in, even with the newer, cleaner power or whatever it happens to be. Or if you and I had, you and I had enough scratch to to put a nuclear plant up somewhere in, uh, you know, northern Idaho or someplace. I mean, nobody wants our power because they got their own, and if ours is cheaper, they don't want it cheaper, right? Right. I mean, it's not, it's not as, it's not as easy as our politicians lead us to believe. There's a lot right. of fingers oh, in this no, part. No, absolutely not, and, and, I, and I think that's why when we're looking at investments and, and this, and, you know, the sector and the utility sector, again, we do our homework, we meet management, we like to see what edge they have, what advantage they have. We want to see what kind of uh, price and power, you know, um, in this case, rates. And we also want to see what sort of incentives they're receiving. Um, they're not all necessarily looking to grow geographically, you know, but they're looking to become, you know, I mean, they, in some cases, they're already the monopoly in their in their state. But they are states that are still receiving, like South Dakota, for example, is still getting an influx of people. They're leaving... Um, you know, so that there's still a need to continue to expand within the state their own grid system. And, um, you know, just, I mean, not to go into to it too much, but Texas obviously is, is, a, is kind of a little bit like what you're talking about in terms of having some political issues with the grid. And, um, but I think these guys are kind of ahead of the curve and they, but they've been, but they're ahead of the curve, but they have a lot of experience, which I think is a good combination for what, uh, what, what is your sense of, See, you know, when you when you recommend these places, I, 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 my brain immediately splits in half. I'll go, all right, when, when, when uh, Dan says that the high-yield places are going to continue to do okay, I immediately say the high-end places that Dan wants to visit are going to do okay. The other ones, I'm not so sure I trust. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would no more look at a, that whole list and just start picking them out by random. I want the ones you've gone to go see. Now, I mean, how, how much difference... Like in the utilities, I'm not at all convinced, and I, I obviously have a hair up my behind about Commonwealth Edison, but I'm not at all convinced if their revenue doubles and their costs went up 50%, that they don't just give themselves a 45% raise on the rest and not give anything. Maybe they raise their dividend 5% reluctantly. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, there's probably a little bit of this, this, this I mean, Commonwealth Edison, there's going to be a huge difference between a Commonwealth Edison or, a, um, you know, Con Ed, you know, and a you know a place like Otter Tail, which is a smaller, much smaller company that's covering 
predominantly, you know, they're not covering, covering the urban areas. Um, you know, they're kind of, they're experts in their own territory, if you will. So, um, and to answer your question, yeah, I think right now if you were to buy a utility, if you were to buy a, uh, you know, an ETF and just sort of try to get, um, you know, you'll get some exposure. I think you'll get some positive exposure. Obviously, if you go down to the stock, specific stocks, I think you'll get a little more, um, you know, if you want a little more yield, for example, when we talked about SR, Aspire, that preferred to pay 6%. Um, that's a, it's just a steady eddy that's going to give you 6% return. It's kind of weathered. If you look at the price um, of that name, the price of Black Hills, what has happened over the last month, you haven't seen this crazy volatility that you've seen in some some of the other utilities or some of the other sectors. So picking out names that we do our homework on, I think, is what gives you that you know that extra alpha and also helps you sleep at night because you know the management and there's not usually any surprises um but but on the in general when we were talking about high yield and you would ask that question we had mentioned before um like hyzd which is a high yield etf that um you know that has a zero it's a neutral duration so it's it's basically a zero duration because the, the duration component is taken out and that will give you a lot more stability um is a short-term high yield um etf again the fact that it's short term it's going to take out some of that um volatility um interest rate volatility but but i think you're still okay in high yield is what i'm saying i think we still have a ways to go um there hasn't been a whole lot of volatility the main thing is there hasn't been, there's been very few defaults, and default risk is really one of the biggest risks. Well, I've got a couple of guys. Uh, we got a dash here, damn it. i got a couple of my people who are, uh, are in the HYZD on your uh, recommendation. Good. And uh, they said, well, in the, in the month they've been in it, they're happy. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, not necessarily, it's not going to be super exciting, but when we're talking about some yield ideas with some stability in, a, in an uncertain environment or a volatile environment like we've had, they're, you know, they, they hang in there. All right, take care of yourself, bud. Talk at you next week. SP Futures down 25. NASDAQ Futures down 307. We have not budged. Same thing with this Facebook. It's down 72 and change now for an hour, which is kind of bizarre. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. 
It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lower face stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Alex. She's Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 46 now. It's the lowest I've seen it. As if futures down, well, actually it was down 50 this morning, but it came back to being only down 38. Now it's sneaking back lower again. As if futures down 314. Dow futures only down 66, which, uh, um, is interesting because we've got the two stocks that are moving the most are Honeywell down 655. Uh, and that's, uh, well, that's 42 points in the Dow right there. And we have Facebook down uh, 73 now. 249.52 is down 20%. And, uh, uh, some earnings, but mostly they got it a little lower, which is, people are not, that's, that is not working out well. Weekly jobless claims, uh, 238 less than expected. Yesterday, the 301,000 on the ADP number was a real shocker. Uh, jobs lost. So tomorrow, Carl's gonna have his hands full talking about the numbers tomorrow. Some people are thinking we're gonna be down jobs and not up. So, I hope that doesn't happen, but it might be in the, it might be in the cards. Dex down 50.3%, FTSE down 10. Eh, 0.1%. Kakaron down 9.1%. So slow, slow, but uh, a little bit to the downside over in Europe. Asia, Nikkei down 292. They're the only ones that are open. That's a full percent. 27,241. The other guy's still doing their New Year. I don't know if I, I wouldn't mind getting all week off for New Year. I mean, uh, doesn't the, the Olympics, uh, Olympics start tomorrow, right? Over in China? Yeah, they do. The fourth. Let's see, uh, no, I, I was going to go over there until they said you had to do the anal swab. Then I said, eh. <laughs> No one touches our butts. No, that's it. We're, we're, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, yesterday, Dow was up 224, S&P up 42, NASDAQ up 71, so we kind of erased the, the S&P and the NASDAQ for sure, not so much the Dow today. Uh, bonds up three basis points to 1.80. The Bund up three basis points to 0.07. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.18. Uh, oil, I'm so happy not to say negative anymore. Oil down uh, 113, 87.13. Brent down 99 cents, 88.48. Natural gas down 51 cents, 4.98. Uh, our Bob is uh, down two cents to 2.58. Gold 
is uh, down 788-1802, still hanging above 1800 by a thread. Silver down 36 cents, 2234. Copper down 4 cents, 445. And we have uh, Bitcoin down 788 to 36,756. What do you have for us, traffic weather sports? Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.37 a.m. on February 3rd. Let's get started with sports. Uh, in the NBA, uh, we have nothing to report for Chicago or our friends in Phoenix from last night, but Bulls will play Raptors tonight and Suns will play Hawks tonight, so make sure to look out for that. Uh, in hockey, Blackhawks lose to Wild 0-5 zero, zero to five, and Phoenix Coyotes lose to Calgary Flames 2-4. to four. In college basketball, U of I beats Wisconsin Badgers 80 to 67. I'm sorry, they beat Wisconsin Badgers, excuse me, 80 to 67. Nothing to report for our friends in Phoenix last night, but Elon will play UNC tonight at 6 o'clock. In weather, Chicago is currently sitting at 26 degrees with a high of 26 and a low of 16. And our friends in Phoenix are sitting sunny at 37 with a high of 60 and a low of 37. Busy time on the roads this morning. Uh, there's traffic on 94 West all the way from Glenwood Dyer to Cicero uh, for two main reasons. There's an accident on the I-80 94 West um, uh, exit ramp to the Tri-State Tollway. And there's also that intersection of construction at 290 and 94. So be patient driving down those roads. Um, we also have an accident on 294 East between the 94 East exit ramp and Canal Port. Uh, more traffic on 290 East between Wolf to the 290-94 construction intersect and westbound between Costner and the I-88 West ramp. Uh, traffic on 55 North between Route 71 all the way downtown to the 290-94 construction intersect. There's two accidents on either side of I-80 near the Harlem Avenue exit, so please be careful driving through there. And also another major car crash, multi-car crash on I-80 West between the, um, sorry, I-80 West at the I-57 ramp and if you're trying to get onto the 55 north ramp at 31st there is a railroad crossing malfunction so be mindful of that getting onto the highway if you're trying to make time to get to work this morning and that is all i have for you chief we have mr flanagan uh we do john how are you john are you here i'm here i'm here i'm gonna just just ask uh eliani a question sort of like uh who's buried in grant's tomb uh where do you suppose the Glenwood Dyer Road goes, Eliani? Uh, far, far, far south. <laughs> it goes from Glenwood to Dyer. Right. In Dyer, Indiana to Glenwood. The road's been, I used to take that road every morning when I drove to Pullman when I worked there. <laughs> I used to get off at uh, 147th and you could sneak over and it would say, those making the right turn off the expressway can't make a left turn on the Glenwood Dyer. Well, I did that for three years without a ticket. <laughs> Jesus. Just saying. That was my route to work too, Tom. The exit of off three ninety four for Glenwood Dyer and take it west. So wow, <laughs> yeah. um, great great minds think alike. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a goes right through the forest preserves. Actually, kind of a nice drive. Yeah, but it goes from yeah. You wouldn't think you're that close to Chicago, really. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, goes from Glenwood, Illinois to Dyer, Indiana. I don't know why they had to be hooked together back in the day, but they were, and uh, there that's the road. Well, and there's Glenwood Lansing Road yeah, nearby there too. Which you know connects Glenwood and Lansing, which are even closer together. So we should they should all roads should be named that. It should be like right. Chicago Milwaukee Road. You know, right. <laughs> this is the road decal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, interesting discussions today with both Lou and uh, yes, and uh, and Dan. Uh, I think if they ask Dan, as we're starting, we're starting to, uh, in one man's opinion, who tries to still be a a uh, so we say a more of a rigorous economist. I'm going to say there can't be a few of us left anymore, but uh, I would, um, in terms of what these guys are defining as, 
I think we're ne- we're never going to come to grips on this idea between nominal and uh, and uh, and and real. Um, these guys are loving the fact that all these numbers seem to be up, as though so many stocks are getting whacked here. Um, in terms of uh, you know some of the retail well, the retail sales numbers, they're not about to tell you that if they're down you know point two percent, that's really down like a real lot considering inflation. But I'm wondering, John, are they? It appears to me that if these guys. If we ever get to the point, say they start raising rates, and I think they're way behind, way, way, but I won't go into that again. Are, are they about to say, uh, say for instance, you and I are uh, getting our first job and we're young, and now it's going to cost us ten grand for a chunky used car, where eighteen months ago it cost us six grand. Now, are they going to say that if uh, those numbers flatten out at ten grand six months from now, that they essentially have declared they're going to declare victory? Yeah, I mean that's that's I think one of the goals of these you know highly manipulated numbers is to you know tout successes where there really isn't any success, and to discourage you know thinking that you know things are worse than they actually are by you know tweaking the numbers in the opposite direction. It gives they've got great great wiggle room in both directions here. It seems, and in both cases, they're just you know avoiding an honest appraisal. And, and fogging the issue, and you know, giving people false expectations either way. You know, so it's um, it's unfortunate. You know, but when you when you when you use the data so carelessly, and you know, define it in such you know imprecise ways, you know, it makes the, the data pretty useless. Well, how long? How long do you think they're? You know, I, I'm, I'm surely not asking for people to grab. Uh, you know, the rifles out of the gun smoke thing in the, in the marshal's office, but how long do you think people are going to put up with it? Yeah, you know, you look at Canada, Tom, and the whole, you know, the convoy to Ottawa and the, the truckers are not backing down. There's, there's, I think, whole wings of disaffected populations in, in every country to some extent, some more than others. And I think they're, they're already showing their unwillingness to keep this, you know, craziness going. Whether you know that will percolate into the larger population sooner or later depends on a lot of things, but it's definitely worn thin with a lot of people, and, and people who traditionally have the least you know leverage or bargaining power, and that they're getting bargaining power the only way they know how to do it by just you know sitting on their haunches and stopping th- doing their jobs and everything else. What what other alternatives do they have? Nobody and. You know, legislatures seem to listen to them. Nobody takes their gripes seriously. So, what what other quivers do they, you know, arrows do they have in their quiver? And um, it's happening. You know, I, I don't predict a huge groundswell of this very fast, but I, I do think that the, the the you know the pillars here have been shaken a little bit, and I think you'll you'll see either a complete collapse of this you know mandate nuttiness. Or you know, at least a date certain by which we'll try to return to some kind of normal. Not to say that we won't go back and and you know reverse it, you know, anytime soon either, because I suspect we will. But I I do think that there's a sense people are nervous. They don't like how the average person is behaving, um, and they're they're working overtime to censor and you know discredit, and they wouldn't do that unless they were afraid of what the message is getting out is. Well, what is it? What is the deal? Uh, I got about eight different questions here. I'll go first. I mean, what is the deal with this Joe Rogan thing? I uh, heard bits and pieces of it that Spotify is getting all kinds of crap, and I think I had like a doctor on there with, a, with an opposing point of view. How, how is how is that? How is that not you're not supposed to be able to do that? 
I haven't opposed well, it. You know, in, in, in former times, Tom, how many serious interview shows were there on free TV? I mean, the, 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 Tom Snyder, Dick Cavett, Charlie Rose. I mean, there were people who had, you know, people from the sciences, from the arts, politics, book, you know, authors, whatever, and they'd actually, you know, let them discuss, you know, heavy issues, and they, they had a strong following. All those people are gone. Rogan is, is the nearest thing to it. Um, he's, he's no loose cannon in my well, What about us? <laughs> I'm what about us? Are, you know, far more radical Joe Rogans out there than there are, yeah, but they're, they're clearly deplatformed and discredited. Um, but, you know, they're doing everything possible to silence them, to you know, boycott him, and you got to believe they wouldn't do that unless they know Rogan is getting through to people. He's got 11 million followers. I, you know, that says something about you know, the appeal he has, and and the, the people in the higher ups in the media just hate that because they can't control it the way they've been used to controlling it. I don't. Uh, it's it's so interesting. You know, you see things. I'll give you a, a quick example of uh, how you, you, you think one way about something. This is what I'm always arguing with people, especially younger people, that, you know, when they say somebody flips-flops, I said, no, they don't flip-flop, they evolve. If you don't change your mind on stuff, cause a lot of things that you think are are, are are right may not be right at all. I, uh, As you know, I used to love going to Las Vegas before I became a trader. Um, I used to go four or five times a year with all our, some of our goofy friends. And uh, always had a nice time and blah blah. So when these, when they um, had the, the river boats, and you're going on for the, there was a two hour cruise, a two hour like like the minnow. Uh, I'm thinking, how God, that's crazy. Why would anybody just want to go gamble for like two hours? Nobody can make any money doing that. John, I was so wrong. It was scary. I went on. I went on one of those things. I've only been on one. Well, actually, I was on maybe on two. I went on one Michigan City. Well, that one didn't leave the dock. So they, these people went through all their money in like 45 minutes. Because they, they only had two hours. They didn't have the whole weekend like you, when you went to Vegas. And, and, and you throw them off after two hours, you know, the whole group did the same thing. I'm thinking, this, this is genius. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> so, totally wrong. Um, but, you know, I, but, but the stuff that, that we talk about, I should, it, it is so basic. It is so basic that I should be able to pick up the Washington Post, I should be able to pick up the New York Times or the Tribune or someplace, and there should be somebody that, that has the same kind of training I do, although maybe has a PhD or something, has a little more, little more letters behind his name. There should be a column saying exactly what I'm saying. I mean, this is, and, and yet there isn't. There absolutely isn't. I mean, when when and, and I'm thinking, you know, Trump was not wrong on everything, but when he started, you know, basically ragging about the businesses buying the newspapers. You know, Amazon essentially owning the news, not just the Amazon news, which is a lot. Uh, you know, Yahoo owning Yahoo News, right? And, uh, and the, the guys owning the Post and the guys owning the, you know, the, the, the companies that have bought these places. He, since they've got their nose so far up the ass of government, these big firms, I think he thought they were going to be against, they were against him, but they're not against government. They're not against any of these policies. I mean, there, if, if there's a policy that the government has is to send send a check to Amazon, you're not about to see some huge editorial in Amazon News saying this is a horrible this is a horrible idea. They're just a sales force for the yeah, government. They're, they're a sales force. They're pushing the government's message, it's, and of course they can use the, their power that they're given by the government to hammer it in such a way that any any competing.
competing ideas are just drowned out. But this whole, I mean, I, I can't get over the total lack of, I mean, you listen to CNBC all day. Now, again, those are, their their shtick is to have CEOs on there. That's where they get their, their you know, their advertising. And, and they it's not so much even advertising. It's wanting those people on first after some announcement because it, it, it increases their cachet. I mean, obviously, if Veliani, every time, you know, uh, UPS had a earnings that the first thing the guy did was came on Stocks and Jacks, you know, it would raise our shtick, right? But I, I'd be a little harsher. I'd be <laughs> maybe. A little, maybe. But I mean, but that, but that is, <laughs> well, but there's a, there's a, a descending point of view right out of the gate. Uh, we, it's not like we lack for those on this show. Um, no, but I'm saying that's, that's their shtick, right? And, uh, so they don't ever want to ask the tough question. They don't ever want to do anything. Even, in, in the same way if they get a Fed person on there, hey, we're a station that, that Jay Powell comes on. That's a big deal. We're not going to screw it up, you know, type of thing. But I, I can't believe there, there, there's like nowhere that says that this policy is, they're out of their mind. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it, it I mean, uh, 40 years ago, this would have been, I mean, I don't, I don't, does anybody hire Mike Royko today? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, no. I mean, not even a neighborhood newspaper probably would take chances on somebody that uncontrollable or unpredictable or, or somebody so honest. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I don't, you don't, you don't even see it. But, I mean, I'm just wondering with the, with the numbers, I, the thing that I'm, I'm getting to is, it seems like most of the day, all they do on these, on these, uh, financial stations is tell you how good you're doing. <laughs> the economy's going great. Regular people have more buying power than ever. Are they out of their mind? Yes. Right? The answer is yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> or do they, do they, do they know, do they just, they hope they're right or do they just look at gross numbers or they don't know anybody or, I mean, what, what is the deal? I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like people these days are spitting out facts like a horse was in a hospital. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, but I mean, I get, as we, as we turn facts the quotations. Num- yes, as we turn the numbers around though, Jen, are we going to, the questions I have are, are we going to declare victory when we get, when we get back down to 2% inflation and forget the, the 25% bulge we created in the three years we did, we let it go? Well, I think we are. And, and, we'll, and immediately distract everybody into, you know, switching attention to, Something, you know, even you know, more disastrous, perhaps. But they've spun it in a way that will make it look like they're being honest. But it's it's about getting people off of this issue because we fixed it, and now now we can look at other stuff. Well, yes. But, you know, you, what you were mentioned just a minute ago, Tom. Remember Lewis Wukeiser's show on yeah. CBS, Wall Street Week? Yeah, it was on a, on a Friday afternoon or something. Could you? It isn't like there's no appetite for a show like that today. I don't know who you would get to be the host who had anything like the credibility Rukeyser had, but there, there would certainly be a big viewership if you had that arsenal of guests and that kind of line of questioning and the whole presentation. It was was sober, but it was never boring to me. It was ex- always extremely interesting to to listen to these people talk. Could you imagine how it would function today if they had to get Janet Yellen? Or Jerome Powell on it, the, the mealy mouth versions you'd get out of their mouths just to keep the show on the air. <laughs> it's, well, it just—it's not like people are, aren't hungry for a show like that, but nobody's going to let a show like that come anywhere near. You know, a TV well, it would, it would totally end up being a total critique of the rest of their day. Yes, which which you really don't want. I mean, they right. don't want. Well, and that's that's the thing. You know, this is you know. You would think if you had a free flow of opinions and allowed other people to interpret the data that you've misinterpreted, 
um, and you get the bigger audience, so your misinterpretation is what people believe. If you actually challenge some of this and let let people use their brains, this is the last thing a media outlet wants. They do not want thinking viewers. Well, I know they're kind of. What can they do with the thinking viewer? They, all they could do is, you know, wait for the next time the person abandons you because they started thinking you're you're feeding me a line of BS and we'll go someplace else. So that they don't want you to think. So they have to dull your senses. They got to pummel you. They got to insult your intelligence. Otherwise, they lose you. <laughs> well, the but what is the just in terms of? Uh, I'm sure they they whoever they are. <laughs> I haven't necessarily you know thought of it yet. But if we. We keep bumping along like this, and we're and now we're looking at the CPI, and I'm doing whatever I do, same same crap when the CPI comes out in uh, <clears throat> December this year, and hopefully we'll we're all here doing the same thing. Um, and I'm going to sit there and go, all right, <laughs> you know, the houses are now, you know, 160 grand in in 2000, and now they're like 800 grand. Are, are we, am I still going to be looking at a CPI that says they're up? Point one percent or something. I mean, yeah, I aren't mean, you feeling good? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, are we? I mean, at, at some point, you got to ask yourself: Are they? Are they? Are they never going to? You know, put the. Uh, well, first of all, I mean to back up. Just I'll, I'll put an individual case because the individual cases add up to the rest. What? What exactly? <clears throat> the people who. And John, I found this once, and I could never find it again. I actually found the piece in the CPI where they monkeyed with the pickup truck prices. And how, uh, you know, in 2008, the F-150s put, uh, you know, a second backup light on or some crap. Well, that's 50 bucks. So instead of the, the truck going from 13 grand to 13.5, it only went to, we're going to take 50 bucks as a new backup light. So we're going to say that your quality, plus it might have got something else, you know, uh, who knows what else. But so say the actual increase in the value of the truck went up 300, so the increase in price is only 200. You can actually go through and see this year by year by year, if if you can find the spot. Well, now of course everything's you know you got to pay over list. They're only, they they you can't find a basic truck, all those kinds of things. So I mean, if if you and I were were doing the numbers instead of just criticizing the numbers, we would have a challenge there too. I mean, what does it mean? Okay, the the, the official regular F one fifty is up two grand, but by the way. If you can find one, it's twenty grand. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even know how you incorporate that in. You know, I guess you could just say, "Well, you just don't find one," and and we'll just forget it. Or I, I don't know. I don't know what you do with that. Do you have any? I mean, what would you do? Well, and part of it is, you know, just an unwillingness to to look the numbers square in the eye and and ask what the heck's going on here. And to take Facebook as an example. I mean, I, I really think the reason this stock is off. And, you know, there needs to be more attention paid to this, but didn't they lose a million subscribers in the last quarter? Something like that, yeah. Well, so, I mean, to me, that would, if you owned a media outlet and, you know, you were concerned about, let's forget about, concerned about growth, let's think about survival. Would you tolerate something like that? Would you, would you not inquire, you know, all the way through the place? What the heck's going on or how did we lose a million people? It's pretty clear to me how, how they did. And it, it reverts to what we were saying at the, at the beginning of this segment. Uh, that I think people are starting to just giving up on this. They're tired of being lectured to by an echo chamber, and they're going elsewhere for it. And you know, they're they're going to people. Facebook doesn't admit, it doesn't tolerate, it does everything possible to silence. But it, it, you know, if it has this kind of an impact on their stock price, you would think it would cause some blowback in their you know policy decisions or in the in the product that they're pushing. And I don't 
see any evidence of that, and I, you know, I, I'll be surprised if there is any evidence. But if, if this were a normal, you know, business competing with other businesses, you would think there would be a, a complete one eighty turn here. Of course, look at what CNN has gone through as an example of, of how not to run a media company. I mean, they just ignore their loss of viewers to the point now where they're, they're you know, John Dolce on Breitbart calls it CNN LOL all the time. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is a sign that these people must think they've got incredible survival energy no matter what they do, no matter how much money they lose. Somebody's going to cover well, they it. Don't, they, they don't change their message. So If you're on the, if you're on the first tier of cable... And uh, when Jan was in, he used to know more about this than me. I'm sure he still does. Uh, you're in the first tier of cable. You're pretty much okay. Uh, when I say pretty much, I don't know how much they well, they pay these people a real lot. But for instance, uh, CNBC. If if you get, I think one 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 chunk over the uh, the very very basic package in your home cable, you uh, you you're probably paying a quarter a month for CNBC. Twenty cents, thirty cents, somewhere in there. Now, fax, in order to get fax, I think you got to go next level up. Bloomberg, I think you have to almost get a special deal. So Bloomberg does not get the the average, the, the 25, 30 cents for every, virtually everybody in America. Like, say everybody, no, that's wrong too because cause a lot of people have uh, decoupled. But no, it, it has to do with, with sort of where you are. So I think CNN is in that first tranche, sort of like CNBC. So they they get a boatload of cash coming in without before they sell their first Viagra ad, right? I mean, even if, but now there are no Viagra, which is a problem, because Viagra was like millions and millions of dollars to these people before they went off patent, right? They right. was like they were, what were they? They were they were they were they were forty million dollars them and Cialis to football, weren't they? Yeah, holy, yeah. You know, they were huge on CNBC anyway, but. But I'd been gold, but Bloomberg, although the guy's got nothing but money because he sells all his machines, uh, I think he, I think he takes a, a huge loss having Bloomberg TV. I mean, I, might, I don't know about huge, but I'm guessing he barely makes it. Let's put it that way, because uh, because there, there, there's no he doesn't get anywhere near the check every month from cable that uh, CNBC does. In Fox, I'd put somewhere in the middle. Fox Business, because uh, you know I think Fox, in order to get the Fox News, they make make some of the cable companies takes fax, fax business. I mean, there's, a, there's all kinds of layers to this. But I think CNN, i, I got to believe that the, the money they get every month should be enough to keep the thing going, for God's sake. Well, if they were a serious news organization and, you know, police their staff and their sexual ethics and everything else more closely, but it, it's, it's just kind of a snake pit the more I hear about it. I'm surprised they're still in business at all. It shows, you know, really how corrupt the industry is. That something like this is even around anymore. Well, I mean, um, I, I mean, I don't, fact, I don't know the whole story. It makes me think that you know that the others are, are kind of hawking the same kind of snake oil too. I, I just when I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole details. I don't really like to read them, but I don't know how much you can get where people are over twenty-one and things are consensual. Why, why do we need to know about it? For God's sake. Yeah, and even the, the way this has come out with, you know, payback apparently from, um, Chris Cuomo's attorneys or, uh, this is, you know, this is, this is the seamy stuff. It's, it's unbefitting, <laughs> you know, a, a news outlet, but it, it shows just how much dirt there is in these places and how, how carefully they've kept it under wraps when it's, it's been imploding all over the place in Hollywood and elsewhere. And some of these places have been able to, you know, keep their, 
you know, nose is relatively clean, at what expense of lying or firing people who are whistleblowing, or who knows? But it, it's, a, it's a dirty business, the way they handle it. And it, it shows just how, how you know, little there is to back it up as a serious media company that gives out tr- trustworthy information. Well, I mean, this kind of, I think it rolls right into the sort of the Gruden episode, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, what we're talking about here, for those that don't, uh, there, there, somehow or another there was an accusation and Snyder, the older of the owner of Red Hats, or Red, Red Hats, uh, Redskins slash Guardians, what are they, the Guardians now? No, they're the, uh, that's the, uh, what are Indians, they? Right? What are they? They're the captains right now, or the Commodores? Yeah. The guard, yeah, Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, anyway, but they, they basically were, were investigating that guy and found some emails regarding Gruden and published them. You know, so I mean, what, this had nothing to do with Gruden. So why would anybody let his out? Just saying. I mean, I, you know. Sure. Anyway, John, thank you very much. Talk to you on Monday. SP futures down sixty-seven now. Wow, Nasdaq futures down four thirty. Getting worse, not better. Back tomorrow, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Listen to me very, very carefully. You have no idea what you're doing.